Welcome to the media ministry of Crossroads Church Aspen. To learn more about Crossroads, visit our website at ccaspen.com. We hope you enjoyed this message by Pastor Steve Woodrow. How are you doing? Yeah, thanks for being here on President's Weekend. Um, I heard yesterday was amazing skiing. Uh, we were in Fort Collins, so we missed it, but um, glad you're here and glad you're taking time out of your uh, holiday weekend to come and to worship with us uh, here on Sunday morning. If you've been with us, you know we've been in the, the book of Ephesians, and this morning we're going to be in Ephesians chapter 4. Uh, if you want to follow along, there's a Bible underneath the seat in front of you. Um, we just encourage everyone to follow along. We're going to be in chapter 4, verses 11 through 16 um, this morning. And we're going to talk about this issue, how to speak the truth um, in love. Uh, before we dive in, let me just uh, say, if you are visiting, if you have questions, there's a little note card, some cards in the seat back in front of you. Just encourage you to take those with you. If you need prayer of any kind, we're, gonna, we're always here after the service. We'd love to connect with you and pray. As you see, we're going to end this service with a great cel- baptism celebration. Um, but let us know. You can put a prayer request on that card. You can drop that into the uh, giving box on the wall uh, as you go out. So um, let us know if we can answer any questions for you, which would be great. Um, all right, Ephesians 4, how to speak the truth in love. This is a huge issue, right? I, I don't have to probably break culture down for you to know that the issue of truth has been um, rather evasive in our culture now that we've adopted the kind of the postmodern idea of that truth is relative, well, we are reaping the consequence of that teaching uh, more and more and more as we move along. And I think people are kicking back on that, right? There is always a kickback. We want to know the truth. Uh, that goes when you're talking to your doctor or your accountant. You want to know the truth, right? If you're in a relationship, you want to know the truth about somebody's heart. This idea that your truth is your truth, my truth is my truth, uh, is a fallacy. It's uh, impossible for that to work, even more so when it comes to the big things of God and the big questions in life of who God is and how this thing is ordered and what hope is and all these these things. So Paul comes in his letter to the church in Ephesus. For those of you just joining us, this is a circular letter. It's six chapters long, and I encourage everyone. We're, we'll be done hopefully by springtime, but encourage us, don't, don't uh, fade away. Continue pressing in. Take time to read this entire book. Um, the six chapters dive in as we're going to uh, continue to kind of suck it drive what God has for us as a church. Um, this morning's message, I think, is extremely applicable, not just from a larger aspect of what is truth and how to speak that in love, um, but also just the ramifications of the role of church, the role of the community of believers uh, around this concept. So not only do we have a problem with truth, but the idea of love, right? We, love is thrown out a thousand different ways in our culture. We need more love, and we all would agree with that. The question is, what's the basis of love? How do we define love? If your definition of love is different than mine, well, that's not going to go too well, right? Especially in a relationship or community or society or anything else. And we know from Scripture is that God is love at the very core of who He is. And we love because He first loved us. Jesus has come with a benchmark of love, of defining the heart of God and to come and to bring that love right inside our hearts. Um, So how to speak the truth in love when Paul 
talks about the body of believers, when he talks about healthy community, healthy relationships, uh, it's this idea of being able to speak the truth, not watering it down, being clear on the truth, and being able to communicate that truth with the love of God. And when that happens, not just in an individual relationship, but in a whole church, we're going to see is it's built up in love. It grows in truth, and it grows right in love. And so I want to have three things in these verses um, for us to take away. Hope you write these down. I hope, again, as we always say um, here, don't take my word for it, right? I hope you will listen intently. I hope you'll take notes. But go before God. Dive into his word. And we're going to talk about the importance of this. We're to sharpen each other. We're to look at the word of God. God wants to speak to you. He wants to confirm the truth to you. And that is really important. And that should happen in community as we uh, challenge each other, as we really uh, come together and really work the truth out, the word of God right inside our hearts. And so these three things we see Paul talks about. And these were the three things I just give us all to think about, right? Get equipped for ministry. Is that if I'm going to grow in the truth, if I'm going to grow in everything that God has for me, the promises of God, I've got to be equipped. I've got to understand the word of God. I've got to um, receive from the family of God so I can grow up into everything that God has for me. And then the next piece of that is get established in the truth. Is that work it out. Right? The word of God is truth, right? But we live in a world, don't you walk outside these doors and you will be barraged, even right now, if your phone is on or your tablet is on, you're being barraged with a thousand different messages, right? They're coming to you left, right, and center. And all of those are in a way forming how you think about truth. And we're going to talk about that um, this morning, get into a little more detail of how do you process truth? What is true? And how do you bring all the information together? Right, to determine that impulses to the church. Be established in the truth of God. That should be our primary lens of how we see and look at everything. That should be the lens that we look at culture and all the craziness going on and all the different philosophies and ideas out there is we should be rooted in the truth of God so we can be established right in, in God and stable and receive his blessings and continue to grow in maturity. And the last one, he says, as all these three things work together, he exhorts the church, get built up in love. And this dynamic of truth and love go together. So the idea that Truth is relative, and love is your love, your love, and my love, and my, is you've, you've got to have a benchmark. There has to be, right, truth and love together. Um, otherwise, it really just falls apart. And this is the beautiful thing, right, that uh, Paul is going to define here for the church. What should happen in the community, the family of God, as we come together and read the word, as we explore it together, and as we help serve one another with our unique gifts to help build up the body, right, to full maturity. So with that said, I'm going to step back and let me just read the passage for us. Um, and then we're going to break this down um, this morning. Father, thank you, God, for your word and, Lord, your truth. And, Lord, for your amazing love. And, Holy Spirit, I ask that you'd move in this place. Lord, you promise that you're with us, you're present with us when we gather together. And Lord, I pray that you'd speak deep inside our soul. Cut through, Lord. All the barriers come straight to our soul, straight to our heart. And Father, those that are here that are struggling with love this morning, Lord, I pray that you would just overwhelm them with your love. 
how much you love them, how much you long for each of us, Lord, to walk in love with you, God, to be sure of our relationship with you. And Father, there be others that are struggling with the truth. What is it? How do I find it? Holy Spirit, I pray that you'd break in. You're the one, Lord, who comes and leads us into all truth and brings the word of God alive inside our souls. And so would you come now, Lord, and put your life on this word. Let it be living and active in our lives this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, Ephesians 4. Starting in verse 11, Paul says this. Well, let me just back up for those of you who are just joining us. Is um, In chapter 4, Paul, who's writing this from prison, he's in prison, he's in chains for preaching the word of God in Rome. And he's writing to a group of churches, Ephesus being one. There's another, a larger group of churches in the area of modern-day Turkey, uh, real churches, uh, that he wrote this letter of Ephesians to. And he's, at the beginning of this chapter, he's saying, I urge you, um, brothers and sisters, to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you've been called. And he then talks about uh, what this is to look like. What is this walk that we're called with all humility, gentleness, and with love, and in the unity of the Spirit, right? The church is to model for the world and every community that the a local Christian church resides in is to model for the world uh, the, the beauty of truth. And the beauty of love and the power of God as it moves among a group of people coming from all different places, working together to be in unity and love and serving one another and growing together into all the promises of God. A place where the joy of the presence of God resides um, and where the manifest presence of God is is manifest when God's people come together for healing and for blessing and for joy, right? And for deliverance, all the things that come that God promises when his people, right, come together. And then he drops down and he starts, he kind of raises this big level and he presents this big, beautiful idea of, of the church and how it is to come together. How is the church, how to grow and to come together and to be... Uh, um, to grow into all the blessings that God has for us. Now, let me just step back here a little bit because all of us have grown up, I'm sure, in all kinds of uh, different denominations. Let me just do a little survey just for the fun of it here real quick. How many of you grew up at some point in your life in what I will call a very traditional high church, very ritualistic high church? How many of you? Okay, yeah, quite a few. I had a, a big uh, swath in our time was in the Episcopal Church, right? And, and you understand what I mean by high church, I think, right? High tradition, high ritual, very formal, right? Um, and how many of you grew up in, let's just call it open church or free church uh, in the history of the church moving out of the book of Acts? Something that looks more like the book of Acts. How many of you grew up in a non-denominational kind of free church environment? Okay, actually not as many. Very interesting. Okay, um, I kind of, I had, we were all over the place. We had different experiences and all of that. Um, but folks, here's, here's what I want you to think about. Is how much of what you experience, how much of what you're used to when it comes to church is rooted in the text of the scripture? How much of it is rooted in how the early church, when you read about in the book of Acts and Jesus, how much of what you experienced is rooted in that, and how much of it is man's tradition laid over it? 
Now, there's nothing wrong with us doing things, um, you know, to, to all behind all man's traditions and a lot of what happens in the church uh, is with good intention is to carry out commands of God's word. Here's the problem, though. The problem comes over time as things become more formal, as hierarchy and hierarchy gets put within different churches. What happens over time is there becomes more of a controlling element and a higher emphasis put on what man has done, the structures man has put in, rather than what God says. Does that make sense? Um, There's some blessings from all different traditions. I love reading all the way back to the Orthodox. I mean, there's some great church tradition. Don't get me wrong. But at the same time is that the church must always reform, always be looking to make sure that we are doing the pure milk of the word of God. That we as a church are coming together always with the lens back to the word of God, back to what Jesus modeled, back to what the early church modeled. And are we a healthy church? Are we more committed to what we see here in the word of God? And is there some some tradition stuff that we can just shed? Because it's gotten in the way and it's kept people actually from being moving in to be a play an intimate part in the life of the church. Now, what I'm going to share with you, well, what Paul is about to share with you is going to really, um, in many ways, rock and it should rock your view of church. Because sadly, a lot of us have experienced something that's kind of kept us on the outside. And hasn't been this open door into this glorious, vibrant community of believers that represents the kingdom of God on earth. That's working together by the power of the spirit and the word of God to grow up into this mature, beautiful house of God where Jesus is the cornerstone. The head of the church is Jesus. No man, no one else. No position is the head of the church. Jesus is the head of the church. And we're to grow up into that and to learn how he is. And and in verse 7 here, before I get to 11, he says, But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Is that God has poured out his gifts upon not just a few, but to anyone who knows Jesus. Anybody who's a Christian, anybody who's a believer, God, Jesus is wanting to pour out unique supernatural gifts upon his people for the purpose of serving each other, being a healthy community of God's people. All right, with that said, I could talk a lot on that. We'll come back to that a little bit here. This is what he says, verse 11. Paul says, in God, he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry. Who are the saints? That's all of us, holy ones. And again, we've, we looked at this at, when we were looking at the first chapter is, were you taught that that's your identity? You're a saint? No matter what you've done in the past, no matter where you've been, if you've truly given your heart to Jesus and the grace of God has filled your heart and you receive salvation, not by trying to be good, not by trying to do religious stuff, but solely based on what Jesus did for you, the love of God, by faith receiving that, you're a saint. In God's eyes. That's the amazing good news. And the view of church should be this right here. God has given certain gifted people throughout history to build up, to equip the saints for the work 
of ministry, serving each other. It goes on. For the building up of the body of Christ. To equip the saints for the work of ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God. To mature manhood to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. All these words, we'll take a look at it here in just a minute, is everything that Jesus wants his people and his church to be. No matter how big or small the church is, the fullness of Christ. God wants to come in and unleash his gifts on everyone so everyone can serve and play a role in speaking the truth and love and building up the body. Verse 14, so that... We may no longer be children, in other words, immature, tossed to and fro by the waves, carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. But rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way in him who is the head into Christ. That's all of us. From whom the whole body joined and held together with every joint with which it is equipped When each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Wow. Paul just just gets overwhelmed by the vision for the church. Now, let me just throw something out. Um, And because a lot of y'all have been in church for years and years and your whole life. And I just want to try to cast a little vision and expectation for us. Folks, I just I pray this prayer. I just started praying it as I was studying this week. And it's a crazy prayer. It's tied back to chapter 3. If you want to look at the end of chapter 3 in this great benediction, um, after talking about the love of Christ um, in verse 20, Paul says, Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we can ask or think according to the power at work within us, the Holy Spirit, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus forever and ever. So I just want to cast a little vision. Pray this crazy prayer. Would you, with me? God, would you come and do something? Would you come do something in this church? This little mountain church and in this community that's far beyond what we could even think about or ask. Come and do this. Blow us away by your presence, God. And this is what Paul is trying to encourage the church in Ephesus and in turn all the church throughout history is, church, do you realize there's no limit on the radical nature of truth and the love of God that can reside if a group of people come together who are followers of Jesus and who hold tight to the truth of God and and call upon him to love each other and serve each other and grab hold of the gifts that God has for each of us, what can happen? There's nothing more beautiful in the face of the earth than a healthy church. There's nothing more powerful. There's nothing that brings more hope. There's nothing that serves and brings life. This is why Jesus says his church is to be a city set on a hill, a light, not under a basket, but shining bright. It's the place of love. It's the place where the broken can come and find healing. It's the place of service. It's the place where the orphan and the broken of uh, people from broken families can come and be a part of a family. It's the peace where pe- place where people find hope. It's the place where people find peace and the fruit of the spirit of love and joy and peace and patience and kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. 
And so would you just pray that crazy prayer? And if you have another church you're a part of, and when you're pray, pray for your church, start praying, Lord, let's get crazy, do this. Because you say, it, to him who's able to do far greater than what we could imagine or think. So Lord, come, do something that far surpasses any vision any man or elder team or leadership team could come up for their church just blow the socks off people you come you bring alive the vision you have for your children that you love desperately and remember romans he says man if he didn't forsake sending his son if he loves you that much he sent his son jesus after you it says how much more will he give you all things he's a loving father Right in Luke 11, he says, man, how much more will your father give you more of the Holy Spirit to those who ask? He does not put a limit on the level of holiness, righteousness, joy, the fruit of the spirit that you can experience. Jesus never put a limit on it. The only limiter, right, is faith and, and that faith tied to the community of God's people, right, working together. And so let's get crazy. Lord, come on. Even as we gather together here and we come and we break bread as you command us to do, remember this amazing thing you did for us. And as we come at the end of this service and have a phenomenal celebration about how your love has entered into somebody's life and we're going to celebrate with them. Come and do great things, God. And folks, I, I hope when you show up for church, it's just not like dragging and struggling to get here. I know there's always struggles with parent, with uh, kids and stuff, but folks, build some expectation. God's going to meet you where you're at. He meets us at the place of our faith. So come and, and expect God to do something great. And, and let's go another level. Come, expect that God would use you to bless somebody and to minister to somebody, right? And so three things real quick. Um, there we go. Get equipped for ministry. So the first thing here is um, he gives, some of you have heard the five-fold um, ministry. Apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. Now, if you're from, considering where people raise their hands, is that I know the majority of us in here um, did not grow up in a church where you really Focus, you kind of read that, and yep, that's not for me. I'm not one of those. So I want to just radically refocus you. Is this whole thing with me nothing? If the early church need apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers to build it up, how much more do we today? Now, of course, nobody is saying that there's only 12. Nobody is going to be like the 12, right, of Jesus. But as far as this is gifted people, that God raised up because without these fivefold, you will never have a healthy church. It will be lopsided. And so how many of you have been equipped by an apostle? And let me just change that. How many of you have been gifted by somebody who's been, who's, has apostolic gifting? Be leery of somebody claiming to be apostle because that gets a little, uh, you know, there's only 12. There's not more than, right? But there are people that God gives great gifts to. And if you have been equipped by someone who has apostolic gifting, that gifting is critical for making us feel very uncomfortable, making us realize how small our vision of what God is doing really is. It rocks us out of our little mountain church to realize, Jesus' command, by the way, let me remind you, it's for the nations. Are you praying beyond your community here? 
Are you involved in the nations? Somebody who's apostolic gifted to the church is someone who is sent out to expand the kingdom of God on mission and on new things for the kingdom. It's somebody who is just not content in one place, but they want to connect churches. They want to see, right, the glorious move of God expand. And it makes a lot of people feel very uncomfortable. That's the point. That's the point. And Lord knows we need apostolic gifting. Even, and there's all levels of these gifts because it says Jesus gave it according to the measure. Right? All different levels of this um, kind of gifting out there. Um, how many of you have been equipped um, by someone who is prophetic, who has prophetic gifting? Now, somebody who is prophetic is, and again, I know for some of you, that's like pushing your, wait a minute. And of course, nothing, everything has to line up with the word of God. But these gifts are critical. Somebody who is prophetic gifted is when you talk to them, they don't really care how much you know. They don't care if you've been to seminary. They don't give a rip how many Bible study classes you've been to, how many years you've been teaching. They don't care. What they care about is, are you hearing the voice of God? Is he in your heart? Is God speaking? Is something, is his manifest presence in your life when you wake up in the morning? Are you just doing Bible study? Are you meeting with God? And when the church gathers together, the prophetic, they want, is he here? Are we just going through religious, the prophetic people that want to say, man, they, they kind of are burrs in our saddle. They bring us back to, man, are we just going through the motion here? Or is God here? They're the ones who raise the issue of the fear of God, reverence for God. Hey, are you just got a little too comfortable with your coffee and hanging out with Jesus? He's the Lord of the universe. We need the prophetic more than ever today in the church to speak into the church, to get us out of all of our junk that's in the way and really raise the question, not just as a whole people, but as an individual, is do you hear his voice? Is it real? Or are you just going through the motions? Because sooner or later, that faith is going, you're going to crash and burn unless he's real in your life. What about the evangelist? How many of you have been trained and equipped by an evangelist? Somebody gifted like that. Now, these people get under your saddle too, right? I mean, man. You talk to them, all they want to know is, hey man, you talking to people about Jesus? They're going to tell you over and over again all their testimonies that everybody they're talking to about and share. They can't, they just can't help themselves to talk about Jesus and to share him with other people. And it's not just about spiritual language. No, no. The evangelists, they're the ones who, they want to get right deep inside somebody's soul. What do you believe? What's going on there? And they are just overwhelmed by the goodness and the love and the grace and the mercy of God. And they can't wait to share it. And they want to equip you to have to share it too. Do we need that in the church? Mm, because I don't know about you, but you know, sometimes that's just a gifting that I kind of let, let, let aside, right? That's, that sheds me out in uncomfortable zone land, right? And these people are the way they make you feel uncomfortable. And you guess what? You can't grow unless you're uncomfortable. Um, what about the pastors? Anybody been gifted or equipped by somebody who's pastoral in their gifting? What do these people do? They come alongside you. They walk with you. They meet you where you're at. They want to hear your story. They give you time. And they want to connect you in your journey to a healthy family of people and get you feeling comfortable and make you feel loved and cared and that you belong and they're there to hear you. They're great listeners typically. 
They're the ones to walk with you with the word of God and take the time and patience, right, to continue to walk with you. What about teachers? Anybody been quit by a teacher? Right? Now, teachers, man, they just want to break it down. They want to get down and talk about the Greek and the Hebrew and, and uh, you know, they want to fill you up with the word of God. Now, here's the reality, folks. Most of us, and I can pretty much say this, most of us have been equipped by the last two, teachers and pastors, people gifted teachers and people who are gifted in shepherding. Very few of us have been equipped by the first three. And that, folks, I could go stat after stat today in the church reveals a radical deficit in the house of God today. And so would you pray with me that God would raise up? Remember, he tells his disciples, pray to the Lord of the harvest to raise up labors. Labors uniquely gifted. And God is the one who pours out the gifting, right? And what I want to just really press you into crazy zone land is, you know what? Some of you, most of you, all of you have an opportunity to grow and be equipped in one of these five-fold ministries. How about that? You're not ever to be dependent on a pastor or someone. There's not some like hierarchy. Oh, we respect those who have positions and and leadership, but never let that limit what God wants to do in you. And the atmosphere here is one of humility, of equipping the saints for the work of the ministry to we should all be like, man, let's bring alive. What does God have for you? What kind of ministry does he have for you? What does he want to do in you? He wants to equip you. And so I'm going to be very practical here. Here, folks, is simple but profound. And this whole earlier part of this book is for the unity of the body. You can't have a unified body if there's not a unified course of equipping of how are we going to do this together. And so the first thing is we just ask you to get a part of a group. Break this down. Come and start healthy community with one of our groups that, that Chris threw out at us, right? Second thing is pray about joining a discipleship group. Now, this is a smaller group of men, a smaller group of women. We have a book called The Heart of Discipleship. It hones us, unifies us around what is the gospel, what does it mean to follow Jesus? And go through it together as a group. Ask questions, dive in deep. The second part of that is our membership guidebook, which t- talks about the church, our values, talks about the importance of church, talks about what it is to be part of a family. Those things are critical as foundational stuff for any of us to be able to make a step forward to be equipped for ministry and to be united in the unity of the body. And the final thing is um, we put out equipping videos. We have some uh, that are coming to you hopefully next week. Um, And we'll have those out um, for you to look at. And we as a whole church will dive in and get equipped together about what God has for us. So just some practical things. Talk to us about that. Um, we'd love for you to, to join us, right, in, in all of that. All right, let's move to the next one. Get established in the truth. Um, verse 14, so Paul says, come on, church. Man, I, the, God has poured out these gifted people. He brings people to the church. And, and let me just say, this is why it's so important for churches to have partnerships, not just stay in, in a little silo, and this is why we have partnering churches in Denver and Houston, different places where we have shared gifted people who come in and bless us. And we go to those places. It's just, just read the book of Acts. 
And, and I just want to say, um, it's, it's time for us to simplify church and get it back to what the Bible says. And the more hierarchy, the more formal business structure that is laid into a church structure, guess what? You're going to move slowly people away from what the essence of healthy church ultimately is. And this is where it really comes to light. It says, so that equip the saints. That's everyone. Everyone is to be equipped for the work of ministry. And God says, you are a value. If he saved you, if you know Jesus, he has great things for you. He wants you to bring that to the body of Christ. So we can grow up into this wonderful, mature, healthy family of God. So that, verse 14, we do that that so that we may no longer be children. That we wouldn't stay immature believers. Is that we'd grow up and be matured. And without equipping and without growing and taking hold of my gifting from God and growing in the truth of the word of God and, and then serving. I'm, only go, I'm not going to go very far. I can go to church, and we have this today in America. We have a, folk, a lot of folks full of podcasts, tons of information. But the level of spiritual growth is minor. And folks, I just give this to you. In the last year, how have you grown? Do you know, Lord, more intimately today? Is the manifest power of God in your life greater today than last year, five years ago, ten years ago? Can you give testimony this morning of God's radical growth in your life and how he's using you to build his church? This idea that we've created in America that, hey, come and observe, come and, come and check it out, come and be wowed and, and, you know, have a great worship experience and listen to great teaching is it is not what the Bible says church should be. It is all of us in the presence of God Worshiping, growing, serving, ministering, each other, being equipped to serve and grow up together. And, um, and folks, what happens is that we get deceived. We get deceived in what the Christian life is all about. And we miss out on all the blessings that God has for us. So why do we need to equip the saints? Why do we all need to grow up together so that we may no longer be children? Those immature and tossed to and fro by the waves. Anybody ever experienced that? Anybody know anybody like that? Oh, man, they're on fire for God this week. But woo, waft, woo, flutter off the wave, took them over here somewhere. Woo, all right? People you can't depend on. People that say one thing, but they can't commit to anything. And woo, they're off here. The waves got them there. This has taken over in the church and in our culture today. That is an immature believer that is in a very dangerous position. Now listen to this. We grow up and are being matured so that we are not taken away and we're no longer carried about by every wind of doctrine. So we know the truth. If we're not growing up, guess what? We're susceptible to being carried away by the winds of a radical doctrine. I'm going to talk about that a little more deeply. Or by the human cunning. Or we're susceptible to somebody's evil cunning and abusing me. Is any, don't raise hands to this one, please. But how many of you, let's just be honest, have been spiritually manipulated? 
spiritual leaders or other people in your life, they have, they have conjured you to do something for them or for their church or whatever it is, really more for them than for you. It's nothing new under the sun. But if you have a hierarchy and there isn't a sense of, come, let's be the body together. Let's test this together. Let's build up each other. Then you are susceptible to all these things. And the final one, it says, um, we're susceptible to the craftiness and deceitful schemes. What is that talking about? That means the devil himself. That means the spiritual realm of evil schemes of the devil. A whole church is susceptible right to those things. And so, man, what is Paul saying? Get established in the truth, church. Start by getting equipped in the word of God and with one another um, so that we won't be taught, continue tossed about here and there. And so let me just say a couple important things. What is very clear in the Bible is every one of us, we are to grow up in the truth as part of a local church, relationally wrestling with the word of God together. You are not to grow up in the truth by listening to podcasts and giving your attention to someone you don't know. This is very important. Can we supplement and learn from podcasts and other people? Of course. That is never to be your primary source of truth and of equipping. You don't know those people. And tragically today, the human cunning is the danger what the enemy does when you have platforms out there where somebody can put something out there and get a huge following. And then what happens is a person's left up on that platform and the enemy just loves it because sooner or later, shoo, he falls, right? And folks, it's just built into us to follow. Man, I like this person. I like this person. That's all great. I have my whole list of people I read and, and follow. They cannot be your primary source of truth. This couldn't be any more important. And here, folks, is just look at the deception of the enemy and the course of church in America today. Everybody's independent. Everybody's out listening to their own thing, reading their own book, doing their own thing. When when Jesus is saying, wait, I'm the head of the churches. This is to be part of the church. This is how we, you're to gather together with the people you know, with the pastors, with the leaders and the friends that you know, you know their life. You know how I live. You know how Michelle and I live. You know our family. And so you're able to look at what I teach you, how I live and how I walk, and you're able, and matter of fact, God calls you to hold me accountable to that. He calls you to look at me and to make sure that I am living like what I'm preaching and vice versa. And when we say, well, Steve, I don't know about that, is that in love though, right? We're to push each other on. But if you just watch somebody, if you're just listening to somebody online, you have no idea who they are. And this is where we miss today in the church, this vibrant exchange of the word of God and a vulnerability to come with each other and say, come on, brother, come on, sister. Man, let's dive in on this. What does this mean? This is where accountability is. And unfortunately, the enemy has us, oh my gosh, so much unhealth. We're just, in it. We're just doing our own thing out here. And the question I have for you is, man, who really knows you? Who are you accountable to? Who is looking at you to determine, are you living up to this? And man, how many times right now, folks, and we, Trent and I were just talking, all the elders, we were talking about just the anguish right now for what's happening in the church, right? When there is time and story and tragedy after another tragedy, tragedy 
of people who are leaders who what they have on their platform, what they say, they're living a whole nother life. And let me tell you, God's cleaning the house right now. He will not let that go long. He will clean house for his holiness. And what would help is if the whole church rose up and said, hey, we're not doing that anymore. We're going to engage. And like I said every time, is that, man, you don't take my word for it alone. Is you come, we wrestle with this. It's before God. That's how the Spirit of God establishes God's people in the truth. Does that make sense? Now, that's radical, I know, to some of you with this, this hierarchy um, idea. God has gifted people. He's given special people in his church to carry out certain things to equip the saints. But he's equipped all of, he wants us all equipped and all of us serving and all of us humble enough with one another to realize that none of us have perfect theology. We need the spirit of God and the word of God and the community of God to lay hold of truth and health. That's church, folks. And I challenge you to find anything different in the Bible than that. That's it. And so I invite you in. Again, if this isn't your place, if you got another one out there, start asking these questions. How are you determining truth in your life? Folks, it is a war out there. My final thing on this point is this. Is folks, at no other time in my life or in the history, I believe, of America, do we have a barrage, a war on truth and on healthy teaching. Right now, folks, there is teaching all across the board, and the media has, it's a blessing in one way, but also a negative because it opens the door for all kinds of people who should not be teaching and who are teaching something false. And as Jesus says, the time comes, false teachers will rise that will lead many people astray. And my question is that this is the safety in the body of Christ. To question things, hey, have you heard about this? And how does that? Is do not just go off on your own and give yourself and soul to somebody to teach you that you know don't know them. That's going to lead to problems galore. And again, boy, if there's a pride of like, well, I have my guys. Whatever this person says or that teacher says, I'm hold to that. That is unhealthy. And Paul dealt with that in First Corinthians, right? Hey, some of you are Apollo. Some of you are this teacher, that teacher. No, we got to work this out. And again, a church that does is a church that is healthy. And guess what? The whole body grows. Everybody rises up in their gifting. Does that make sense, gang? It's big stuff. Last one. Ah, get built up in love. And um, this is beautiful, right? Rather, it says. So in other words, get equipped, church. Get established in the truth. Work this out. Work the scriptures out with each other. Ask God to show you and to bestow. Have someone pray for you for gifting and and what your heart desires to serve. Ask God to show you your role. How he's uniquely gifted you. What he wants for you. He does not limit you. Get established in the truth. And why is this? So that we will grow. So that we will not be susceptible to false things and unhealthy teaching and those kind of things. But rather, verse 15, speaking truth in love. Now, a healthy church, any healthy relationship is able to do that. That defines health. That we're able to share truth in love. That we're clear on the truth in love. And then he just goes on and says, when this dynamic takes hold, man, the church grows up. 
The community grows up. Marriages grow up. Parenting relationship with your children grows up into this beautiful expression, right, of healthy relationships. It's glorious. Final thing to say, and Dirk, y'all can come on up, is in this is, um, man, uh, just a little history. Is we go all the way to the end of the Bible um, to Revelation. And remember, there's some letters there in, uh, in the book of Revelation. And one is to the church of Ephesus. And isn't it interesting, if you read that letter in chapter 2 of Revelation, it says Jesus' really evaluation of the church in Ephesus is, man, you guys have done a great job holding on to the truth. You've done a great job of holding the false teachers accountable. Um, but I have this against you. And what does he say? You've lost your first love. And folks, this can be a tendency is, is to be the theological police. And this is out there on the internet. The doctrine police. And when that happens, you can have a tendency to where it becomes agitated. And when that is separated from love, it is destructive. Very destructive. Before anybody calls someone a heretic, before anybody calls anybody a false teacher, you better do some real deal. You better know what you're talking about. And have prayerfully worked that out in the body of Christ. And so what? And then the very end of the book of Ephesians says, he gives a blessing of grace to all those who love our Lord with an incorruptible love. Right? Is the battle is there. Truth and love. You can't do one. If it's just love, what does that turn into? Just mushy God. Mushiness. No truth. No power. But if it's truth without love... That's the same thing that happened in the Ephesian church later on. We think they changed course on that. Restore that love for each other. In other words, it's truth, brother, sister. Let's let's deal with the truth, but in love. And that love, what backs that love is we desire for each other what God desires for us. Maturity, health, all the blessings of God, right? Does that make sense? And so if you would just pray with us, God, come do something great in this place. Far beyond what we can imagine. And if you just take some time to wrestle with, man, how am I, how, am I getting equipped? Who's equipping me? Who is really equipping me for this? And remember, this is what discipleship is, folks. This idea, again, I, and I'm, I'm going to step out there because I think I can. It's a generalization. Most of us raising our hands, especially to the formal end of the thing, we went through a catechesis, a catechism, some kind of thing. We came to Jesus. Maybe we were baptized. Maybe we were sprinkled. Whatever it is. But guess what? It stopped right there. Then it was just show up at church. Oh, maybe go to a Bible study. That is nowhere in the Bible. The Bible makes the great commission is when somebody comes to faith, immediately they move into discipleship. Somebody is equipping you how to follow Jesus and to grow up into all this goodness. And without that, man, we're leaving people hanging. We're leaving people as children that go this way and that way, right, in the wind, right? So I ask you to pray. Who's equipping you? And I ask you to get established in the truth of God. Get involved in a group, small group. Wrestle this out. Don't do it alone. Press in with us here. Let's talk about it. And if you ever have a question about anything I say, the door's wide open, right? We're to refine each other. And that goes for any of our leaders in the church, right? And fine, let's be built up in love. Man, will you pray with us that God would do something amazing in this little mountain church for his glory? He wants to. That's amazing. He wants to. 
right? So, Father, thank you, Lord, for your word. Father, build us up, God. Rock us when it comes to our view of church. Move in us, God. And would you come, Lord, and do something just beyond what we could ask or imagine in this house, your house. Jesus, you're in charge. This is your church. Lord, for your glory and for your name. And Holy Spirit, come into all of our lives. Help us evaluate. Help us take that little step, whatever that step is. Maybe it's just move into a small group. Maybe it's just start asking, what does a discipleship group look like? Maybe it's just praying, God, show me how you've gifted me. Show me my role in your church, Lord. Lord, we want to be and experience the fullness of Christ. And as your word says, we can't do that unless each part, each member is playing their role. Make us whole. Make us healthy. Holy Spirit, come speak and encourage your children this morning. In Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to this message. To hear other messages or learn more about Crossroads Church, visit our website at ccaspen.com.